touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I am Jonathan Strickland. And I'm Lauren Bogelbaum. And you know, it's that time that we like to put off as long as we possibly can, where Tech Stuff puts on its prognosticator hat, stares into the future, and says, What's going to happen, y'all? Now, uh, before we even start to reveal some of the predictions we have made for the next year, a couple different things. Instead of our usual approach where we just alternate back and forth, we've actually kind of divided up our predictions into different categories. Mm-hmm. We talked about them beforehand a little bit, yeah. a- enough to see where we had overlap. And just to organize this so that mm-hmm. it doesn't end up being, oh, you know, when you made that prediction about such and such, I've got a prediction. You know, we wanted it to be nice and clean and also uh, keep in mind that we are recording this particular episode on December 12th, 2013. So we're coming to you from the past. Yes, from so the incredible past. There so is a if, possibility. For example, an asteroid in the latter half of December um, fell on, on Facebook. Facebook headquarters, yeah. then... And we make a prediction about Facebook that obviously could not come true because of those facts. Uh, that's why it hasn't happened to us yet. Yes. Uh, same sort of thing. Like there's um, specifically, there's a, a bit about uh, Microsoft and its CEO, which you know, that answer, that question may be resolved before we go into the new year. It would surprise me, but I it might happen. I feel like it won't. But um, so my first prediction is about Facebook. Oh, w- what a coincidence. Okay, so what is your prediction? My prediction is that is that 2014 will be the year that Facebook goes into serious decline. Wow. That's that's big. That's a big prediction. Uh, I, I, I know that it is the ruler. It is a bold prediction. Um, and I know that it is very much right now the, the ruler of the social media platform Roost. Um, mm-hmm. As of this podcast, uh, as of September 2013, anyway, um, they had 727 million daily active users on average and uh, 1.19 billion monthly active users. And OK, so that's a bunch of people, y'all. I understand that. Um, but, and, you know, and I'm not saying that there's going to be a mass exodus. Right. You're not going to say that, like, by the end of 2014, there'll be three people on Facebook and one of them will be your mom. <laughs> right. But, um, you know, I, I, I think that I think that people are going to stay on Facebook as a personal identifier. Like, I think that it, right now it is really the social network that is used by I mean, obviously, is is used by most human people sure. as a kind of base presence. But um, but I think that people are going to start moving to other platforms, uh, Tumblr, Twitter. I'm not sure. Um, but you know, even even Facebook themselves. Uh, during a third quarter earnings call, Chief Financial Officer David A. Ebersman acknowledged that Facebook had been seeing a decrease in daily users, and especially Americans around the uh, 13 to 14 years of age kind of range. So it may be that we're talking about a, a shift because as the demographic gets older, you don't see an influx of new users and the people who start to go away aren't being replaced by by new folks. Oh, right, right. And, you know, like people aren't deleting accounts yet, but they are checking the site less often. And meanwhile, Twitter's audience is starting to skew younger than the rest of the entire Internet. And see, uh, you know, there's certain things I think that really feed into this. I mean, there, there, there's more and more information that comes out that makes it plain to the average user what Facebook, 
you know, why, why, how Facebook makes their money. I mean, the fact is that the users are actually the product, right? right? That's uh-huh. what Facebook is selling and serving advertising to, to those users and, is and, how it does. Yeah. And they, you know, doing things like having autoplay videos happen in the newsfeed, including possibly autoplay ads. That's not necessarily a feature that a lot of users are going to like. And then, you know, on the on the corporate side, anyone who's or just on the organizational side, anyone who has a Facebook page as a not not their own personal page, but a page for something, a brand or a band or whatever, mm-hmm. um, they are discovering that it's getting harder and harder to hit their reach. Like they might have thousands of fans who are following them. But when they post, a tiny percentage of those people are seeing whatever those posts are. Unless, unless they pay money to push Facebook, it out to yeah. more to more users. So, yeah. And um and, and all of this I think is making making Facebook seem um more more corporate and less like a like an innovative play space to those really critical younger users. Right. So unless something major changes the you see Facebook having at least uh uh, a, a, a market decline, something that we could look at and say, all right, here, here are some quantifiable numbers that show that it's, it's didn't have a great year. I, I think it's going to have a poor year. I, I do not, I cannot in good conscience predict that, um, that either Tumblr or Twitter or Snapchat or et cetera are going to overtake Facebook in right. terms of user numbers. But, um, but I think that any, any one, at, at least tum, probably Twitter. Okay. Probably Twitter will, will see more daily action than Facebook will. Gotcha. Well, uh, along those same sort of lines, my social uh, media prediction is that I, we're going to see more of the types of social media platforms that allow you to post things for just an, an, a, a specific amount of time. And then after that time, it's gone. So Snapchat like a is a mission impossible message. That just yeah. Within 30 seconds, this message self-destructs. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Cause Snapchat, I don't know if you've ever seen it. Or used it. I actually haven't, which means that I'm really old and uncool and right I, now. You know, but. it all depends on the kind of friends you have, but what your experience of Snapchat's going to be. But the idea being that, you know, you can take a picture and share it with your group of friends on Snapchat, and it only exists for a, a set number of seconds, and you can determine how long it, it exists. And after that, it deletes itself, and the person cannot go and look at it again. And uh, so... In that case, it may be that we're going to see more and more of these sorts of social media uh, platforms, partly, I think, because we've got some people who are starting to finally care about privacy, especially in light of things like the NSA story from 2013, which Mm -hmm. I I know is going to keep on going. So uh, I predict that by the end of 2014, we're going to see other several other social media platforms that have this sort of temporary presence where you can post something and then not worry about it haunting you later because it's going to go away. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, we should have a few of those by the end of 2014. In, uh, in, in defense of this, uh, one, of, one of the news items that has happened over the past couple of months, Emily White, who was the former um, Facebook director of business operations with, with Instagram, mm-hmm. um, Instagram within Facebook, um, left to become the COO of Snapchat. Uh, Snapchat. So that, you know, as as of the last round of investment, they had raised some like $70 million in. Yeah. So there's definitely interest there. And Snapchat skews younger. Yeah. Right. So uh, in same sort of thing, like I think Instagram is another one of those things that, that had, you know, it skewed younger, too. And then Facebook was like, all right, let's let's move in on that. And then people were like, oh, <laughs> you got Facebook on my Instagram. 
Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's move on. Uh, we have a different category we want to talk about now. Hardware. Uh, yeah. I have a prediction that, um, that devices, that, that the rule of device sales in 2014 is going to be price over quality. So something that's less expensive is going to be more popular than something that is by some measure made better. Oh, right. And, um, and furthermore, that, um, that, that, in this trend, Apple is going to lose market share to to Android. Gotcha. Um, and you know, I mean, okay, so so I, I think that I think that mobile devices are going to be really big. That's not really a a prediction as much as like, duh, right? Um, because everyone wants it portable, and plans are still expensive, and so I think that that the entry price of the device itself is really going to be come the the divider among gotcha. the winners and losers here. Um, and that you know. The push is going to be for creators to to be streamlining their components um, rather than really innovating new technology. And and that that kind of sucks for everyone. Yeah. Um, however, I do think it's going to be awesome for software because more people are going to need to be creating um, creating programs that make more efficient use of what they have to work with. And, you know, if you if you look at what how Apple has behaved in the last quarter of uh, 2013, that's not a big, you know, that's not a big jump from that. You know, you had Apple for the first time offering a lower cost version of the iPhone at the same time as a, an updated version, right, yeah. you know, out of the gate, not not discounting an older model, but rather coming out with a new lower price model. Um, so, yeah, it may very well be that they're they're seeing something similar uh, in in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that they I think that they got scared this year. They um, you know, they, they dropped from almost 50 percent of the market share in late 2012 back down to um, more like 40 percent, which was their end of year 2011 numbers. And so that's, you know. Yeah. So they're, they're kind of hovering around the same spot and occasionally seeing a little boost every now and then. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my prediction was that, you know, I bet I'm going to see a whole bunch of smart TVs. At CES, when uh, you guys who are listening to this, I'll be at CES next week. And um, uh, from when we're recording this, it'll be several weeks. Either way, my feet are already hurting in anticipation. But at any rate, uh, smart TVs are something I expect I'll see a lot of. We've already seen examples of them, plenty of them in the past. But we're going to see it more and more of those where the smart television stuff is incorporated directly into the TVs. I still don't think it's going to really take off, partly because... You know, there's not like a unified experience out there, obviously. Any particular vendor is going to have their own kind of application software, their own user interface. And uh, that's going to cause things to slow down. It's not going to sure. be a fast adoption. Mm-hmm. I just don't think, I mean, unless someone has come up with a truly innovative approach, I don't think it's going to be enough to start selling lots of TV sets. I think that yeah. things like consoles are going to hold that still. You know, Xbox exactly. One, for example. Yeah, yeah. There's way too many smart boxes or, yeah. or media consoles that can do this kind of thing. And TVs are such a big purchase um, for 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 most people to, yeah. to make right now. You know, the same way that I think that price is going to drive uh, mobile sales. Yeah, mobile sales. Yeah. It's going to be kind of the same thing. So, you know, I'm, I'm wondering if such a big ticket unitasker is ever going to take off, honestly, unless companies stop making non-smart TVs. Right. If, if it, the, Yeah, that would be one way, forcing everyone to move to it. Mm-hmm. Another way is if you open up your, your user interface enough so that lots of different types of devices can interact with it. Because mm-hmm. when you restrict it, you know, you force someone to go into one ecosystem. That's not great for the consumer. Yeah. So my prediction ultimately is that by the end of the year, smart TVs on the consumer market will not be a huge deal. Like it won't be it won't be a, an industry that takes off like tablets did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's 
if if they are going to take off, it won't be 2014. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my next hardware-related uh, prediction is that, and and actually this is one that both of us had really had to be to be entirely fair, mm-hmm. um, is that fitness trackers are going to really take off in 2014. I mean, not that they not that they have not taken off already, but that um that the kind of people who are not the early adopters of technology, like 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 your grandma is going to have one of these. Yeah, the proliferation of these is going to mm-hmm. be insane in 2014. Is yeah. essentially what the prediction is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I agree with that. I actually went further in saying that it would be wearable computing in general. Although I think out of the entire wearable computing industry, the fitness trackers are going to be the one that take the lead. They they've to me the fitness trackers have done this better than the other types of wearable computing, and by that I mean specifically smartwatches. Oh sure, I mean. And also fitness trackers have the benefit of um, of being able to specialize, whereas I think that smartwatches are trying to do a lot of things, especially for the processor size that they have to work with. Right. Um, and, and, and also, I mean, you know, you can with a with a fitness tracker, you can really get get it down to to a size that it can wear and look like jewelry, which is what more people out there. I mean, I mean, as, as much as I do love the. The kind of quirky 80s design aesthetic of the pebble. Yeah. That's not something it's, that everybody wants to wear. It's not the sleekest no. of profiles. So yeah, I, I understand. I agree. And so I think, I think we are going to see a, a big jump. I think wearable computers, whereas I think smart TVs are not going to be the tablet of 2014. I think wearable computers are going to be the tablet of 2014. Uh, I'm hoping that someone is able to make a smartwatch that really resonates with the, the general market and not just, you know, geeky tech guys like me. Uh, I would love to see that happen. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I am pretty confident that wearable computers in general are yeah. going to be crazy popular. Yeah, and I don't think... Oh, it's, um, Tim Baharin for PC Mag was predicting that smartwatches are going to die in 2014, and I think that that's way overly pessimistic. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand where that comes from in the sense that a lot of the smartwatches that have come out so far just haven't really captured imagination. But Every time, you know, I mean, I've still seen ads where they have the Dick Tracy uh, wristwatch right? in the ad. And I'm thinking, like, this is an idea that isn't going to die. As no. soon as someone figures out how to really tap into it, it that market takes off. It's just that I don't think anyone's created the implementation where everybody wants one. It's, yeah, we haven't found the, the iPhone of smartwatches Right, exactly. Yet. That's exactly mm-hmm. it. Um, so my next prediction is one that I had for 2013 that I'm, I'm essentially saying ditto on, which is remember, <laughs> remember when I predicted that in 2013 NFC technology wasn't really going to go anywhere in the United States? Ditto for 2014. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I, the technology itself is fine. It's just that I don't think anyone is ready to adopt it. It's not in enough handsets for it to be, uh, have a penetration level where vendors are going to spend the money to upgrade to get NFC technology into their, you know, you're going to see it in places, but not, it's not going to be widespread. And, uh, also I think it's possible that we never see NFC take off in the United States and instead have to wait for some other technology that essentially does the similar thing, but through a different implementation. Wow. So in other words, like NFC is just one of those things that could have worked had mm-hmm. we invested the money in it, but we just never did. And then eventually some other technology overtook it. And that's what we went with. That's what we, I'm not saying that we're going to get that technology in 2014. I just don't see NFC going anywhere. Sure. No, I I agree. And that is basically all that I have. You, you just said <laughs> everything that I have to say about it. Yep. Um. So my next hardware prediction, a lot of these are hardware, Um. is that the the PC is going to continue its decline. Yep. Um. Uh. You know, as 
as tablets get get cheaper and more capable, um, the that 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 drop off and and by PC I mean PC and laptop this time right, actually right. Um, is just just going to continue to decrease. You know, people are going to be holding on to to their heavy duty tech like that for longer in an attempt to save a little bit more money and turning to some of these incredibly cheap mobile devices in order to satisfy some of their new gadget cravings. I completely agree. In fact, I, there's a little sub note in our notes where. Uh, it's almost the same wording where I'm like, yeah, PC sales are going to continue to decline in 2014. Uh, I, that doesn't necessarily mean that every uh, computer manufacturer is going to see a decline. It's possible that Apple might actually do fairly well. And the reason why I say that is that uh, if I'm in a position where I want to buy, I'm going to invest in a new computer, then I'm probably going to try and go for something that's going to that, that I perceive to be a truly uh, a quality. powerful, high quality computer. Right. And whether whether you agree that Apple products are that high quality, that's the public perception. Oh, right. Or, or you know, at least something comparable. And I think that Apple is is a little bit more um, user friendly than like, I don't know, like like Alienware or well, something like well, that. Well, they certainly have like that aesthetic is really mm-hmm. appealing. It's yeah. it's impossible to deny oh, sure. how appealing that their design aesthetic is. Johnny Ives is a genius. Yeah. And so, um, you know, and, and again, like, guys, I'm not an Apple fanboy. So before all the people out there who want to call me an Apple fanboy write in, remember, this is the same guy who back in the day was lambasted on iTunes for be- having a, quote, anti-Mac bias, end quote. <laughs> yeah, but, um, he, he still makes fun of me for having an iPhone sometimes. Um, yeah, but, I make uh, fun of my wife, too. So. <laughs> Uh, but, but yeah, it's, this, this is backed up by a little bit of number. The IDC is predicting a 6% decline in PC sales next year, which is better than this year's 10% decline in PC so, sales. So it's going to be declining, but not as quickly. Yeah. So that's good news. Um, but they're also predicting that worldwide tablet sales will grow by 18% and smartphones by, uh, 12%. Right. I don't think, uh, that two for one devices are going to save laptops either. There are several, that we've seen in the past where it's a tablet that can convert into a laptop or vice versa. I don't necessarily think that those are going to be a huge hit, mm-hmm. mostly because their price point tends to be higher than what a tablet on its own would be. Mm-hmm. And going back to your price versus quality type argument, even if you were to demonstrably prove that the two in one is a better quality machine, I think uh, a lot of people will be like, yeah, I just don't need don't that. Don't care. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and actually this, this wasn't recorded in, in the notes that we shared earlier, but if I can make a very bold related prediction to all of this, um, I think that Windows is going to get shunted out of the tablet market. You know, in 2014, yeah. I cannot imagine what they could possibly do to attract enough developers. Yeah. I mean, it, at this point, they would have to have a lot of other manufacturers buy into the Windows 8 operating system. Uh, because the Surface just hasn't done it. Yeah. The Surface has not really performed very well in the market compared to other tablets. And it's not that, you know, the Surface is a bad product. It just hasn't caught on. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I think that Windows 8 is part of that problem, but I'll talk more about that in a minute. <laughs> so uh, going on to another hardware, this might sound a little weird for it to be a hardware thing, but it kind of fits in. We didn't have a category that fit in better, so <laughs> we put it in here. Uh I said that we're going to see a lot more autonomous car technology incorporated into the models of cars that are coming out this year. We're going to see a lot more of that, uh, things like collision detection, parking uh, assistance, that sort of stuff, lane assistance. 
But we will not see a fully autonomous car on the consumer market in 2014. Absolutely not. No, I completely agree with this one. Everyone's talking like 10 years for a completely autonomous car. And, um, and you know, even though we've already got cool stuff like uh, like Mercedes has a steering assist, which uses uh, radar to detect the speed of traffic around you and stereoscopic cameras mounted in front of the windshield's rear view mirror that monitor your position within a lane. Right. Um, and, and will kind of beep angrily at you if you if you move out of it. I mean, that, that kind of stuff is is amazing and really cool and helps with with safety standards and all of that is beautiful but um and and i do think that that kind of like you were saying yeah the 2015 line is going to see incorporation of a lot more of those kind of things and a lot more uh less than mercedes class kind of sure yeah i mean like uh you know toyota was working on all this stuff where it'd be uh, collision detection for pedestrians like if a pedestrian is crossing the street that the car itself could detect and even slam on the brakes without you having uh, having even noticed Yeah. yeah so that sort of thing i can see that kind of stuff being incorporated again not fully autonomous car but no. a lot of these these various pieces that are necessary for an autonomous car to work will be incorporated into more and more cars in yeah. 2014 um, our next note is gaming hardware. Um, the PS4 versus the Xbox One, and I'm sorry, Wii U, you're just not even in this equation right now. No. Um, but, you know, it's, it's really hard to make a prediction on this one because Microsoft is being squirrely about their numbers as of this recording. And there um, aren't a lot of compelling games for either console right now. Mm-hmm. So far, the sales seem about equivalent. Um, but, uh, but I'm gonna go ahead and predict that I think that Xbox, with its kind of family media center, uh, approach yeah. is, is going to wind up being the winner of this game. It's it's interesting because this is a strategy we've seen incorporated over and over, and it might be that we're finally at the point where it'll work. Because if you remember all the way back in the 3DO days, I mean, we're talking the 90s, mm-hmm. we had companies coming out with gaming consoles that were meant to be the entertainment center, but they were so expensive. And, and so, uh, I mean, just... Poorly executed. Yeah. They're, they were mishandled on multiple ends. They were badly marketed. Uh, they had some terrible games with lots of full motion video in them for no <laughs> reason. Um, but anyway, it, we might finally be at the point where all of that doesn't matter and and this could actually take off. I, I you know, I, I don't know. I'm wondering. I think personally, if I'm going to make a prediction, I'll say that by the end of 2014, uh, the PS4 and Xbox One will be more or less on equal footing, assuming that they get the titles that they want to get. I, I assume they're going to be more or less on equal footing. Um, and that to see a true leader in that space is going to probably require more like three or four years. Wow. Yeah. No, that's that's fair. I mean, I and I do think that the PS4 is going to be more successful with gamers because from what I've heard so far, it, it seems like they've got a much uh, better developer lineup. Oh yeah, they 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 cater to gamers and they also cater to independent developers. Yeah, which uh, which I think is is going to really help them out in I mean I mean help them make a name for themselves within the rest of the uh, independent console sector and 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 hopefully I mean for them from the point yeah. of 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 Sony beat out some of those smaller smaller consoles. Right. They also finally made a controller that doesn't make my hands cry after five minutes of playing the, you know, The Last of Us or something. Crazy. Oh, thank goodness. Thank you, Sony, for finally coming out with a DualShock that I can play. <laughs> All right. So um, let's see. My my last one in our hardware category 
is that I think we're going to see a lot of low-energy Bluetooth beacon-type technology. Now, this is a specific type of Bluetooth that re- requires very little power to operate. Uh, and if you were to create a whole, uh, say, network of these beacons in a small area, you could broadcast information across that entire area, but you're not consuming a lot of power to do so. Yeah, yeah, you can put these things out at strategic locations around um, a shopping center or a sports arena or... right. So let's say that you are, uh, you are at some event and it's an event, it's almost like a second screen experience, right? Like the idea of being home watching a television show and having a laptop open so you can find out what else that guy has been in because you recognize that guy, but you don't know what that guy's name is. I do, I do that with everything I watch all the time. Me too. Everyone does. You think you're unique? No, we all do that. (laughs) Stop kidding yourself. Anyway, um, yeah, the, the idea here, well, one idea, one implementation, it's just one, is that you could put this in, say, like a sporting arena. And when there's a sports event, of which I am told there are many, and some of them are popular, uh, and you I are think a, some of them use balls yeah, that are inflated and I, made of some kind of leather. I'm pretty sure that you can hit a Hail Mary pass in a basketball park. One of them is an oblong spheroid. Yes. Anyway, there, you know, if you're a sports fan or you know a sports fan, you probably know someone who has this kind of uh, fandom where they, they, they love the statistics of the game. Yeah. And so this could be something where you're at a sporting event, you opt in, you turn on your phone, you opt in into this network, and it feeds you real-time information that pertains to the event you are at. So if you're at a football game and stuff is going on on the field, you'll get updates about what's happening. You might even get updates to player st- statistics, which could be important if you're a fantasy football player. And um, it's kind of an interesting way of creating a, a more rich experience for real-life locations. It kind of taps into the Internet of Things concept a little bit, but uh-huh. only in a... It's it's really a one-way communication from what I've seen. Like it's uh, yeah, broadcast yeah. out, not a communication two-way thing. Yeah, I I have heard the example that in stores it could um it could push coupons to your phone for you or something like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you if you're someone who's like this sounds awful, then I would suggest not installing any apps that would interface with yeah, these. Yeah, that sounds completely awful to me. I I personally don't need my my smartphone to to have its battery drained by a little bluetooth pings by anything and I I need all the things. And I I I'm perfectly comfortable <laughs> getting my coupons from email like our ancestors intended. <laughs> I try to, but my wife hates it when I cut up our computer screens. All right. So uh, that wraps up our, our section on hardware. We've got some more predictions. But before we get into those, let's take a quick break to thank our sponsor. All right. So now we're moving on to software. And my first prediction is that uh, we are going to see data collection um, uh, technology, you know, we've already seen it in, in those fitness trackers, right? Where you get real time information about what your body is doing while you are exercising, like heart rate and how many calories it estimates that you're burning off, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see that extending to all sorts of different types of technology and then feeding the information back to us in easily digestible ways, whether it's in charts and graphs or, or some sort of running tally. And so we're going to see more and more of our lives turn quantifiable. By that, I mean, you'll see it in things like car technology, where it'll keep a track on your fuel consumption on your average drive, things like that, where, you know, you might notice like, huh, it's weird because I drove to work, you know, four times this week. And one day I I did a lot of, you know, uh, apparently I consumed a lot more gas than I did on the other days. What happened? That kind of thing. 
that's the sort of stuff I think we're going to see a lot more of, where we're going to be able to analyze our lives on this sort of uh, mathematical level. And uh, part of me thinks that's really cool, and part of me thinks like, oh, it sounds exhausting. Uh, no, that that sounds like exactly the kind of incredible future that I'm looking forward to. I I'm a little bit pessimistic that that's going to be out for anything other than like extreme early adopters in 2014. Yeah, it but. might not be it might not be that we'll see a lot of uh adoption this year, but I think we're going to see a lot of examples. In fact, it, I I, when I go to CES, I would be shocked if I don't see a lot of examples of this. Cool. Um I think uh ki- kind of relatedly to that, um that 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 our our transition to the cloud is nearly complete and that um other service providers than Amazon are going to go really big. Right. And this is this is part of that entire um you know mobile device popularity thing that I think is is going to be happening, you know, where we're going to be looking for for more software, more services, more software as a service and um more syncing tech and not caring as as much about about Big device purchases and, uh, and, and, you know, therefore all of these kind of infrastructure systems are going to be growing up a lot more. Yeah. So here's an example, a practical example that pertains to me. Uh, I use a password manager that I can install on multiple machines and, uh, the, the passwords are, uh, you know, I've got this whole cloud based, uh, system where if I log into any one of those machines and then decide to change my password, I do it through the system. When I log on to my next machine, it will update and then I'll have access to all those passwords, even though I changed it on a completely different one. That's a simple example of something that you're talking about propagating across multiple industries. And we've already seen examples of this, too. Things like, you know, Google Drive is a great example of how it's not just cloud. We're talking about as entire enterprises are moving to that. That's when we're talking about truly big data. We're talking about massive amounts of information that's being generated and it has to live somewhere and be accessible and be understandable. Right, right. Yeah, the the IDC is predicting that the cloud is going to drive um a hundred billion dollars worth of spending in 2014, like 25 percent up over 2013, including the kind of hardware that cloud service providers are going to need in order to keep up with this demand. Yeah. Now, one of my predictions is that because we're seeing big data get so important, that there is an incredible job opportunity out there for people. All right. So, if if you're really good with numbers and if you're really good at parsing information and understanding what's important when you're looking at huge sets of data and you're also artistic and able to put that in a way that's visually accessible, this is the year for you, my friend, because data visualization is going to take off. When you're talking about data sets that are that large, it's really hard for the average person to get a grasp on what is going on. But if you're able to make like a simple series of charts or other graphics that explain the concept in a way that just latches on to a person's brain then you are going to have no shortage of clients in 2014. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and my my kind of related tag on prediction to that, this is, again, one of the ones that we both pretty much agreed on out of the gate, is that that big data is going to be named the sexiest tech of the year. Yeah. Um, and I have a snarky quote from Geeka System about this. They 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 said the um, the Harvard Business Review, a noted authority on things that are sexy, has declared data scientists to be the sexiest career of the 21st century. Um, but no, seriously, guys. I mean, it's, it's, we, we still haven't made really scalable, sellable ways to process all of the data that we are increasingly creating and collecting. Right. And it's a lot and it's, it's going to be, it's going to be hot. Yeah. I mean, you're, it's, there's no way we could actually exaggerate how big it's going to be, right? 
Um, no way at all. Not at all. I mean, we could sit here for a billion years and say nothing but big data is the most important thing that ever existed ever. And even the, okay, maybe then. We can take big data all the way to the hyperbole. Now, I'm gonna, yes, exactly. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, however, I'm gonna take issue with one thing. Uh, I, I, I think if you're talking about Harvard, the sexiest thing out of Harvard is Harvard Lampoon. So <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, Lampoon friends, you're totally sexy. All right. Okay. Um, I've got one more, uh, one more software okay. note and I kind of sort of already made it a little bit, but, um, yeah, I don't think that Windows 8 is going to make it yet. Sad um, trombone. Sad trombone. Windows 7's share of the market as of right now, um, is, is about tw- 20%. Okay. Of, of the desktop OS. Um, it's still, it's still on the rise. So what, what's Windows XP, if I might be so bold? Do you have that number? Oh, I don't have that number okay. in front of me. I, I bet it's still pretty high. <laughs> um, but, but Windows 8 has leveled off as of Q3 of 2013 and it's still under 10%. Ouch. And you know, they've recently updated the Windows 8.1, but it's still, I mean, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, then let's move on to the next category. This one only has one entry. This is one that I came up with. Um, and we just couldn't figure out where else to put it. So we called policy. Yeah. And also, I mean, it's a big enough single entry that I think that that's a fair point. Yeah. So I said that the United States government is forced to reexamine the NSA's policies. Uh, but even though they are forced to do it, like the, you know, there are members of Congress who are very much adamant about Let's let's bring this to light and really talk about it. Yeah, you know, because because some of our policymakers are just as freaked out as we are yeah. about all of this NSA prism stuff. Even keeping in mind that it looks like the majority of Americans still really don't either care or know about it. I don't know. Anyway, it's as though it's wildly complicated and severely misunderstood by the press themselves. It may be. So I think that the government is going to have to address this in 2014 in some way. However, I also think it's not effectively going to change how things are actually happening. So even if the the outcome of this, you know, policy discussion ends up being, uh, uh, you know, we've got to stop this. I don't think we're going to stop this. Yeah. Meanwhile, and relatedly, I, I do think that although there, I, I agree with you that there's not going to be any movement within the U.S. government on this kind of thing. I think that um, personal and corporate encryption industries are probably going to get a boost. Um, All Things D reported that Google, Yahoo and Microsoft are already beefing up their efforts. And I think I think that that's I think it's going to turn a large consumer trend towards being more cautious. I think a lot of these larger companies, too, are also a a big reason why we will see something happening in the U.S. government, because you've got them demanding not just maybe it's not the the U.S. population, but some of the biggest uh, companies that also happen to be, um, you know, campaign contributors. Are making a fuss. Yeah. Um, in, in digital finance, I think that we are going to see a lot more mobile money management. Uh, I think that people are really starting to lose their fear of taking their money digital. Um, you know, I, I'm talking about like a rise in the use of bitcoins, um, and through stuff like Coinbase, which just had a, had a $25 million investment through Anderson, uh, Horowitz. Mm. And, um, uh, you know, like a, a rise in, in square usage, the debut of digital all-in-one cards like OneCoin. I, right. I think that this kind of stuff is is going to be really big in 2014. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. However, um, what do you think about Bitcoin specifically, Lauren? Um, I think I think that bubble is going to burst. Um, it's done it before. <laughs> it, uh, it certainly has. I mean, okay, so so 
it went from like 12 to 13 bucks per coin at the beginning of 2013 to more than 1200 to more than 1200 and right now it's it's back around like a thousand bucks per coin but I, that kind of pricing just is not sustainable um and i think it's going to fluctuate wildly yeah it's it's again one of those things where it's not just the confidence in the currency itself it's Lots of complicated factors, and I won't go into my full rant again because I just did it about five minutes ago, even though for you guys it might have been last week. Uh, so anyway, uh, if you really want to hear my rant, listen to our 2013 year-end wrap-up, and I, I pretty much did it then. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think it's going to plummet all the way back down to 12 or 13 bucks necessarily, unless yeah. it's on a on a one-off, but yeah. So I guess now we have to move on to corporate news. Corporate, and this, this is the yes. Jonathan show right here. <laughs> it is. So um, do, just really quickly, uh, now... As of the recording of this podcast, Microsoft does not have a new CEO. Right. Balmer has retired, but he's still acting CEO while they try and find a replacement. And they have not done that as of the recording of this podcast. If that changes before the new year, then obviously this is a moot point. But what I or actually it kind of still holds because I said that the new CEO of Microsoft will at best be an effective leader, but not an innovator. In the sense that, you know, when I look at the candidates that are being mentioned, I'm seeing people who have proven their ability to lead large, complicated companies. But I don't see anyone who's going to lead Microsoft in a new direction that makes it the name in some industry that it hasn't already played a part in or even regain the control of an industry where it once reigned supreme but now is you know, fighting for uh, for market share. Yeah, the the really big name right now in the running is Ford CEOs, um, uh, Ford's CEO Alan Mulally. Yeah, Mulally, who uh, you know, as of the recording of this podcast, Ford wants to nail down Mulally. In fact, I think tomorrow on the thirteenth, we're again December twelfth is when we're recording this. Uh-huh. I think on the thirteenth is when. Ford has demanded that they talk to Mulally and have Mulally give them a, a, a straight up answer. Ouch. Are you being courted to wow. like, are you just are you considering becoming the Microsoft CEO? Oh, at, at the very least. I mean, even if it winds up, if he if he winds up not being the first choice, I, I do think it would be very savvy of them to hire that kind of that kind of charismatic stopgap who can sort of work within Microsoft to train a successor who's more fulfill, uh, familiar with the industry and um, and the inner workings yeah. of the company. So I think I think, you know, it may even be whether it's Mulally or someone else. I believe that even if they get a truly effective leader, they won't be. They won't become in 2014 a, a true innovator in their space. They might, to, they might be able to stop some hemorrhaging in a couple of yeah, divisions. Yeah, I think they've got a lot of recovery to yeah, do. Yeah, they do. And uh, and so I think now that's the best case scenario. Mm-hmm. The worst case scenario is they end up with someone who's who also is not an effective leader on top of not being an innovator. And, so I, I hope, yeah. on, and I, I'm saying all this. I hope that. The, I hope I'm wrong about this. I hope that whomever Microsoft ends up getting as the new CEO is able to lead Microsoft onto new, greater heights because we're going to benefit from a company that does well. We don't benefit from companies that don't do well. Yeah, especially you know, someone as big as Microsoft. That's yeah. never a good thing for so, the industry. So, so don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, like, down with Microsoft. I want to see them succeed. All right, next I have that... Uh, Google finally figures out what it's doing with Motorola Mobile. It would they, be about time. They bought it. Uh, they said that they weren't going to use it as a means of creating exclusive hardware. They said they didn't want to do that. They didn't want to give preferential treatment to it. But they haven't really done much with it at all. So one of the things I think is possible is they might spin off Motorola as a uh, an independent company that still has direct ties to Google that will create Android-based 
hardware for Google and become kind of like a manufacturing arm, but that they are not, you know, under the direct Google umbrella. They'll be their own little independent entity. I think that's a possibility. So I think that that would make that would make perfect sense. There we go. Yeah. So that wraps up all of my uh, predictions. <sighs> and now we wait. Now we wait. 12 months. And see how wrong we were. Yeah. Well, you know, we've been batting pretty well, I think. It's not, you were very hard on yourself when we did our wrap up, but I think um, you did much better than you were giving I think, I think I was fair, for. but I still, I still accumulated many squid, so I, I feel pretty okay about That's it. That's true. We are, we are squid rich right now. We don't have any, uh, kind of, uh, squid flow in this office is amazing. My, my squid coin account is just overflowing. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, while we go and, and do a Scrooge McDuck dive into our giant vat of squid, I want to remind all of you that it's a new year, but you can still contact us the old way. That's by sending us an email. Our address is techstuff at discovery.com. Or you can always drop us a line on one of the many social media platforms that we happen to hang out on. That includes Facebook, it includes Twitter, it includes Tumblr. Just look for TechStuffHSW. And Lauren and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 